And so for the past four Sundays, we've been looking at the book of Philippians together, uh, which coincides with the study that we're doing in our small groups. Um, Some of you may be a little ahead, some of you may be a little behind, but nevertheless, as a church, we're going through this book together and uh, learning from God's Word together. The goal of this series is to help us focus on thinking about what it means to follow Jesus, a crucial part of the church, as stated in our mission statement. Follow Jesus, be truly loved, be fully known. And so far, we have looked at these four topics, confident in Christ, living in Christ, one in Christ, and obedient in Christ. And today we'll continue uh, on this series and look at righteous in Christ. And we'll be reading from Philippians chapter 3, starting from verse 1. Before we read, let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for today that we are able to gather as a church. And this morning, I pray that you will send your, your spirit to guide us and to lead us into truth. Help us to resist any lies and help us to embrace what is true and good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's, uh, let's read together, shall we, from uh, Philippians chapter 3, starting verse 1. Paul says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh." Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under law, blameless." But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Amen. The main point of my sermon this morning is this. To have righteousness in Christ is to be blameless according to truth. To have righteousness in Christ is to be blameless according to truth. Now, a more common word uh, when we use uh, to represent righteousness is justice. We use that a lot nowadays. 
We talk about justice. We talk about social justice. To have righteousness or to have justice is to uphold what is right or what is just. But then who decides what is right and what is just? Who decides the standard? And who is responsible for upholding these standards? Have you heard of this? Uh, it's, it's an index, an index called the Rule of Law Index. Has anyone heard of that? Rule of Law Index. <laughs> David has heard of it, yes. The Hong Kong Independent Commission Against Corruption, the ICAC. It's, it's going to be too small for you guys, I think, but I'll, I'll, read, I'll read it out for us. They publish on their website um, part of Hong Kong's latest ranking on this index. This is what is written on the ICAC website. The rule of law index assesses the extent to which countries or territories adhere to the rule of law in practice by examining eight factors, namely constraints on government powers, absence of corruption, open government, fundamental rights, order and security, regulatory enforcement, civil justice, and criminal justice. And then on, on the website, it says, in the 2022 index, Hong Kong is ranked the ninth under the factor of absence of corruption out of 140 countries and territories. That's pretty high. Uh, here we can see an example of a local government, a local government agency, feeling justified according to an international standard for righteousness and justice. Okay, they're, they're proud of it, and that's why they put it up on their website. In other words, the ICAC is proud to be ranked relatively high according to this one factor in the index because it puts them and Hong Kong in the realm of righteousness, right, relative to the 140 other countries or territories. Now, this is, here's another example. The Canadian government also publishes something about their justice system on their website. They publish the key findings of their 2022 National Justice Survey, which shows that there has been an increase, uh, marked by this little green arrow here, uh, of the confidence that the people of, of Canada uh, have in their justice, uh, their criminal justice system between the year 2021 and 2022. In this example, righteousness of the Canadian government is not measured according to a standard set by an external body, but by their own people of whom they rule over. Now, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, According to what standard should we view justice or righteousness? Who do we survey to see if we're doing well? Let's see how Paul would answer these questions. Now, at the beginning of this chapter that we just read, Paul writes, finally, finally, as if he's moving the letter into one last topic. He then instructs and encourages believers to rejoice in the Lord. Not only is rejoicing in the midst of his imprisonment, remember he's in prison when he's writing this letter, and that persecution was at hand and a major concern of Paul's. 
But this reminder also frames and gives context to the final thought that he is about to share with the church. He continues, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Now he recognizes that what he's about to share is something that the audience in Philippi probably have heard him said many, many times. However, to be writing about it, to be writing about this again is not onerous or troublesome for Paul. At the same time, it is good for the church safety to have this repeated. What is this topic? What is this final topic that Paul wants to highlight to the Philippian church? We start at verse 2. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Paul here is telling the Philippians to be aware of a group of people biblical authors call the circumcision party. Now, if you want to read more about them, you can read more in the book of Acts as well as Galatians. This is a faction within the Christian community advocating a set of Jewish religious practices or piety that threatens to undermine the faith believers have in Christ. They threaten to empty or ignore the power of the gospel altogether. Instead of promoting the faith in Christ, these members of the circumcision party, they promote having religious marker. And back in the days, it was circumcision, a religious marker on a person's body in order to be righteous before God. Paul wanted to make sure that the believers at Philippi weren't going to be deceived by members of this circumcision party and what they were advocating. And so he used his own testimony, his own resume before knowing Christ to show the contrast between what false righteousness looked like and what true righteousness looked like. False righteousness depends on human efforts and standards and true righteousness is the result from faith in Christ. So look, look, let's look at that from verse 4 onwards. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I have more. He is circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a, per, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Now, before Christ, before knowing Christ Jesus, Paul was an exemplary Jew, both by birth and by his piety, by his works. Notice in verse 6, he wrote, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, under the law, blameless. In other words, according to the religious standards of his day, Paul was flawless. He was blameless, without blame. Nobody could say anything bad about Paul. There would have been no reason for the society to condemn him in any way. Then Paul continues in verse 7, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever I gain, whatever I gain, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. 
Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, we covered uh, this when we talked about living in Christ, the formula for loss and gain. When we hold on to the temporary and superficial thing in life as more weighty, heavier, when we see as, as higher than Christ himself, then we would see death. Death, that thing that will remove all these things away in our life as a loss. But when we have true faith in Christ, whose love, whose sacrifice, whose eternal glory will usher us into eternal life and joy, then whatever happens in this life, whatever gain that we think we may have, whatever this dot represents, we would consider as rubbish. Worthless in contrast to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. And we read from verse 8 onwards, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Yearning, now yearning for true righteousness in Christ made Paul give up all his earthly gains. He was willing to give it all up for Christ. Like Christ, like Christ Jesus himself, who didn't see his identity as God, something to be used to elevate himself when he was here on earth with us. Paul, who imitates Christ, no longer saw his earthly resume as the basis or standard for his righteousness. And likewise, brothers and sisters of Emmanuel Church, we're not righteous because of who we were or what we've done. Those things have passed. In fact, those things were never counted as your righteousness according to God's standards. In God's eyes, you are not more or less righteous or justified because of how much education you received, because of how much money you've made, how much wealth you hold, or who you have relationship with. According to human standards, you may have gained from these things and perhaps still trying to gain earthly reputation and reward from these things. But none of these would matter a single bit in eternity. In fact, if we do not give up our own standards, our own righteousness, now, if we don't give that up now, we may never experience what it's like to have the righteousness of God. Calling ourselves Christian or followers of Jesus do not automatically shed us of all our dependence on righteousness according to earthly standards. We see in the Bible that these voices, these voices that are tempting Christians to depend on their own righteousness come from the church within. They come from the church within. Sometimes it won't even creep in silently or subversively, but it will be advocated by the loudest and most respected voices within the church. 
the circumcision party is a good example. They consisted of old, religious, well-educated men who were respected by the wider group of Jewish people, both in and out of the church. And Paul himself, Paul himself could have been well-fitted into that group, but he chose to give it all up, to give it all up to gain Christ. Now also to counteract these voices and influences to call believers to go back to depend on our own righteousness, to calling us back not to depend on the full gospel of Jesus, also this voice comes within the church. It needs to come from the church and oftentimes it needs to be repeated over and over again, for us to remember this truth, the power of the gospel in our lives. There is one aspect that, uh, that Paul was proud of, being put, putting his faith in Christ, sorry, before putting his faith in Christ. There was one thing that Paul was proud of. Let's look at um, verse 6, and let's think together with a sober mind this morning. Verse 6, it says, As to zeal, as to zeal, as to passion, persecutor of the church. Paul, before coming to Christ, was proud of being a persecutor of the church. Before Paul came to know the surpassing worth of Christ, he took pride in locking up and killing Christians. Think about that for a minute. And you can read more about that in Acts 8 and Acts 9. Paul's fervor and his passion towards being righteous according to the religious standards of his days, propelled him to become a murderer of saints. He murdered saints for righteousness. Does it remind you of something that's happening in the world today? Last week, uh, the world was shook by the surprise and brutal attack on Israel by the Palestinian military group called Hamas. I'm sure we've all read that on, on the news and we've prayed for the people in this region this morning. But then almost immediately, the Israeli military retaliated. And as of yesterday, just eight days into the conflict, at least 3,200 people have died on both sides. And on top of that, it is estimated that tens of thousands of Palestinians in Gaza were displaced. Now, these kinds of news should shake Christians to our core. As we witness how our fellow human beings who are equally made in God's image and loved by God are mutilating and destroying each other. Not only that, but they perform heinous acts and then are elevated as heroes in their own communities, as righteous and blameless people within their respective groups according to the relative standards. In our, in our world today, different people, groups, and individuals in other places, in our backyard, in Hong Kong, are still propelled to engage in conflict with each other over what each group considers to be righteous in our own eyes. But Paul's testimony to the, to the Philippian church continues to provide our world today with hope. 
we're introduced to this hope today. The hope that is found in Christ is that the righteousness of God will prevail. It is a righteousness that opposes the destructive nature of human-centered righteousness that is concerned about you against me, that is concerned about eye for an eye. And in contrast, it is the righteousness of God that will bring lasting peace. Now, because the righteousness from God with which comes through faith in Christ looks beyond our own standards of who's right and who's wrong and who wins and who loses, Christ became human to help us see the reality, the ultimate reality that by God's standard, we have all come short. None of us is righteous in God's eyes. Now in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, there's a story here where a young rich man came to Jesus and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And this young man said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, come, follow me. What was the young man's response? Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This young man who encountered Jesus would probably have been considered a good man among his community. He was rich, he was educated, he knew the law, and he obeyed the law on the surface. But when it came to matters of the heart, he failed. Selling all that we have to give to the poor may not be what God is calling you to to do at this moment, He may be calling you to do at a different moment. There may be other things that God is telling you and me to give up in order to exchange for what's everlasting. What this request from Jesus reveals is that in this young man's heart, there's something in life, and for him, it was his wealth. There's something in life he found worth more than eternal life, and he was not willing to give it up. Likewise, the same principle applies to righteousness. What we receive, when we receive the righteousness in Christ, our righteousness from the past life becomes incompatible with our new life. It's no longer compatible. Similarly, when we truly accept and trust in God's righteousness that that is given to us through Christ, the condemnation of this world the voices that tell us that we're not good enough, the voices that tell us that we need to gain more 
or that the bitterness that comes from unforgiveness, as well as the praises of this world, the praises like telling you that you're good because of some external conduct or, or appearance, all of it become irrelevant and incompatible with our new life. When we submit to the righteousness in Christ, we are blameless because Christ's blood has already covered our sins. For the sake of Christ, God no longer treats us according to our sins. He treats us according to Christ's righteousness, not ours. And even though we may still suffer as a result of living in this crooked world that is contaminated with sin, we are justified before God whose standards truly matters. God's standards for righteousness is ultimate reality. We like to talk about reality, realities nowadays. But this is the ultimate reality that God has revealed to us through Christ. The truth, and we need to hang on to it and believe it. Now today or this week, or this week to come, whether or not you have been bothered by the injustices you see in the world that comes from war, or you are struggling with a sense of injustice in your heart over private matters, remember, like Paul wants to repeat and repeat over again, that it is the righteousness from God through faith in Christ that will bring ultimate peace in this world and in your heart. It is the righteousness from God through faith in Christ that will bring lasting peace in this world and in your heart. When Jesus was on trial and was asked by the governor, uh, Pilate, whether he was the king of the Jews, because that was the accusation. Are you king of the Jews? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then the governor Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And every, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Do we listen to the voice of truth of Jesus this morning? Having righteousness is to be blameless according to truth. Hong Kong may have been ranked ninth under the factor of absence of corruption, but how about the other factors in the index? And when we look at the Canadian government publishing how people's confidence level in their justice system to be fair to all people have increased over years, do we also see that, that non-confidence has also increased in the past year from 47% to 49%? The percentage that really just decreased was those who were relatively undecided. Truth, what is truth? Truth looks beyond what's on the surface 
and unveils what lies beneath or hidden. Praise God for His word of life for us. For that is where He has now revealed to us that God's will and everlasting kingdom is what matters. Now is the time, now is the moment when we can respond to Jesus' call, His call for us to come, follow me. And what? Be truly loved and be fully known. We will each have to give up, whatever it may be, our standards of righteousness, our standards of what's right and wrong. And it will be not easy, but we won't be left feeling empty either. God will replace it with His truth his everlasting standards of righteousness in our hearts. It will guide us to live filled, sorry, it will guide us to live lives filled with peace and justification through faith in Christ. And by actively engaging in the body of Christ, in his church, you will be reminded of the gospel often and repeated and be reminded of who you really are in Christ, truly loved and fully known. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we're privileged to be able to call you Father. And this morning, we want to submit ourselves to you once more. We want to recognize that we have fallen short of your glory. We have elevated our own standards of righteousness above yours. And we have been living in bitterness. We have been living in conflict ever since. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us, sinners, and guide us back into faith in Christ. Whatever we are struggling this morning, struggling to find who is right and who is wrong, who wins and who loses, us to turn our struggle into a struggle to strive for more faith in you, to strive for a trust in your ultimate righteousness. God, help us to fix our eyes on your kingdom, your kingdom that is here and that is yet to come. Find peace in the midst of this crooked world. That we can be your salt and light, your hands and your feet, bringing this hope.